This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for being here this morning, and if you are a guest, normally you do not see me for the entire time that you are here standing up here. Our song leader went out of town with his family for a couple days, and, uh, and so here I am. So, uh, what a good service it's been thus far, and uh, God, is, God is good. God is good. Fear, to be an apprehension of evil, to be afraid, to feel anxiety on account of some expected evil. Some say it's painful apprehension of impending evil. It is the passion of our nature which excites us to provide for our security on the approach of evil. These are all different definitions of fear. Fear does many things to everybody in this room when we face impending fear or different things. Fear messes with our system. The body sends blood away from the digestive tract, causing unpleasantries, if you will. Our adrenaline would bring blood to the skin's surface, which causes our pores to open, which allows us to sweat as we become fearful. Our heartbeat begins to race, feeling like it may at times burst out of our chest. If you've ever been in a moment where you're fearful, something has happened, your adrenaline gets going, and later, your chest, you can just feel your chest pounding. Our bodies oftentimes will freeze, which in many regards, scientifically speaking, would be Similar to what animals do when they play dead. Our bodies will freeze up and naturally they will play dead. Our natural response to fear often is that we would stand and fight and then we would run. We would flee from the situation out of instinct. I don't know about you, but there's not been too many times in my life where I've just been flat out fearful. Uh, There was a moment in time, and I probably should not share this story, where I scared my wife. I'll never forget it, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> but instinctly, what she did was she jumped, almost clenching her fists. Luckily, I did not get punched. And then she moved away. Because fear causes us to do certain things. Like it just said, we instinctly want to almost bow up. But then we, can't, we instinctly move away. Our fear, our bodies do certain things that that cause this. And Nehemiah saw that his people were starting to become afraid of the situation that was taking place. And he began to act. Nehemiah gathered them together. If you recall the the passage of Scripture in in verse 14, which we read last week, or uh, or, yeah, last week we saw it said, And I looked up and rose up, and I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Nehemiah recognized what was taking place amongst his troops, so to speak. 
They had heard all of the talk. We talked about the ridicule last week as, as here we are, there's all of this group of people that are, that are building this wall and then outside of the wall was all of the armies that were beginning to gather together and all of them began to talk and the rumble was, what was gonna, there was something about to take place. We're going to come in and we're going we're gonna to beat you up. We're going to take your territory. We're going to take your land. The people began to get fearful of all of the different noise that was going on all the way around them. Henry David Thoreau, an American naturalist, wrote on September 7th, 1851, nothing is so much to be feared as fear. Fear is paralyzing. Fear is contagious. And it paralyzes others. Fear and faith cannot live together in the same heart. I don't know how many of you are sports people, but fear is contagious. As an athlete, if I recognize a weakness on the other side, I will exploit it every single time. When I recognize that the person on the other side of me is a little bit hesitant, they have a little bit of fear, I recognize that. It is contagious, and as an athlete, I will destroy that individual. You might say, that's not nice. That's okay. In sports, I'm to win. <laughs> that's what we do. I've, I've played sports for a long time. Now I don't do so much because I'm, I'm old. Err. But no, what do we do? In that, there was times you would almost begin to feel bad for an individual. Because we found their weakness and you just continue to go after it. And there's times you're almost like, man, I feel bad for that guy. As you do it again and again. <laughs> Why? Because you've, you've picked out the weak spot. And you'll go to it. Fear is contagious. Matthew 8 and 26, and he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of, what does it say? Little faith. And then what did he do? He rose up, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. When they were afraid, the disciples were afraid out on the boat. In that time, Jesus says, why are you afraid? Why? Because you lack the faith that you should have. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, a, verse, a passage most everybody here would know. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Deuteronomy 20, and verse 8 says this, And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? And then listen, it says, Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his. Hey, they're ready to go to battle. And the guys look at him and he says, All right, troops, here we go. How many of you are afraid? They raise their hands. Good, go home. Why? Because it's contagious. It's one of those things that it, it would spread amongst all of them. Fear is defeating, which is why they said to go home. Nehemiah, though he did not act immediately, if we were to go back to that passage last week, what did he do? He saw and he heard all of those things. He began to pray once again. And he didn't immediately act. He didn't jump up and, and jump to them. But he reminded them exactly who was on their side and who God was. Sometimes in the midst of our fear, it's not so much that we need to do something as much as we need to be reminded of who we are. But more than that, who is it that's within us? As a child of God, who is within me? That song says, I'm no longer a, a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I don't have to be fearful of those things because God, the Holy Spirit, dwells and lives within me. And He is the strength 
that I need. Nehemiah went to them and he reminded them, hey, God is great. God is almighty. And he had to give them that little bit of an encouragement. He had to remind them of why they were fighting. Why did they begin to build the wall in the first place? Because the walls had crumbled down. Because the gates were were broken and and on fire. And because all of the mess that was there. Because they were insecure in what they had. They had no protections of their land, their homes, their people. They were in trouble. And Nehemiah reminded them, this is your family. This is your house. This is your land. Don't forget that. And more than anything, God is on your side. He became a motivational speaker. And he reminded the children of Israel. He reminded those that were in that time of what they were doing. They were strengthened and encouraged to stand. And today I would say we're no different. Many times we are fearful and we need somebody to say, it's okay. Hey, just settle down. You can do it. It is worth it. Continue to stand. Continue to fight. Nehemiah was that for the children of Israel at that time, for those that were building the wall. This church, I hope, is one of those pieces that is an encouragement to you to continue to stand, to continue to fight. Your spouse may be that that is going to encourage you when you're down. Your best friend, your family member, whoever it is, that is somebody that comes around you to say, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. God is on your side. Don't forget. Maybe it is fear which is causing you, as I've said many times at the beginning of this passage of Scripture over Nehemiah, hey, what is it that God is burdening your heart with? And maybe today you would say, I've never prayed that God would burden my heart. And maybe it's out of fear that you haven't sought God, that you haven't been seeking the face of God to give you the burden that He would lay upon your heart. Maybe this morning you would say, I don't really have a paralyzing fear. I don't know how many of you are afraid of snakes or spiders or afraid of heights or afraid of those types of something that you could say, that is what I'm afraid of. I could honestly stand before you and say, I don't know that there is that thing that if I see it, I'm done. I don't know that I have that. When it happens, I'm sure it will be really funny, but I don't know that I have it. When we were in Haiti, there was a moment when we were in the cabin, and I don't know how big the spider was, but all I know, it was crawling on my clothing. And when I started to do something, I moved something, and this spider, I don't know, I'm guessing, was it? Maybe that, I don't know how big it was. It might have been bigger. I don't know. It looked like this when I saw it. And I'm like, whoa! And I just jumped back. I didn't scream like a girl, but I said, whoa! It got my attention. I didn't scream out of the room. I didn't do anything. But it was really funny. We, we experienced lots of things while we were there. Fears that we did not know. Andrew is afraid of frogs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. While we're there, we're in Haiti. Andrew was afraid of frogs. It is, I don't know how late it was, but it was dark. It wasn't really late because we didn't ever go to bed late because the electricity goes out and you go to bed. So it was actually really nice. If you're wanting to go to Haiti in November, we're going. It is great rest and great sleep. Anyway, we are walking to the the people that run the the camp, if you will. We're walking to their house and we're going to do something and 
there was one light on the side of the house, you know how it is, shining out. Andrew was doing something, and I'm like, whoa, there was a beetle on the ground. I don't know how big this beetle, it was the coolest beetle I'd ever seen. And it was just big old beetle, and I'm like, oh, that is awesome. Andrew does this and looks at the beetle. Then he turns around, there was a frog that was like this. And Andrew goes, ah! It, it was screaming like a girl, it really was. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It was incredible. It was honestly the greatest laugh I had had in a really long time. But here's, there, was, there was a fear there. I don't even know where I'm going with all that. But not everybody has one of those fears where they can say, that is what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid to get up on a ladder. I don't love to go up 30, 40, 50 feet up in the air, but I'm not afraid. I'll go do it if I need to. Some people, they ain't getting three foot off the ground. They're afraid of heights. We all have different things, but listen, every person that sits in this room, I believe with everything in me, there is something there that causes that fear, whether it's finances or illness or it's something within your family or it's something insecurity that you have, whatever it would be. I've said it several different times. One of the things that it's not necessarily a fear, but it's a bother to me is that there's times in my life where I've been fearful, if you will, to say, God, here is everything of me. Take it and use it how you want. My fear was this. I have no idea what's coming after that. Have you ever been fearful to say, God, use me in whatever way that you want. In the back of your mind, you're going, do that, except I'm not willing to go there. I don't know that I'm willing to quit my job. I don't know that I'm willing. And so we have these different fears. For me, I'm not lying. That was, that's always been one of mine. God, I'm afraid if I give you everything, I'm nervous as to what that's going to be in the end. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. I get I'm just giving you my honest, being honest with you. There's times I've been very nervous of that. This morning and throughout the series, I've challenged you and I am continuing to challenge you as individuals, but as a church as well, to build beyond ourselves And I state again this week as I did last week, building beyond ourselves is not for the weak. And I added this to it. Therefore, we must face fear through the lens of God's greatness. We can allow fear to paralyze us or we can remember who God is and face it through the lens of God. Will you be paralyzed or will you return, work, and build together are the three thoughts this morning. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start in verse number 15, or 16. No, I'm like 15, I'm sorry. I'll get there. Nehemiah 4, verse number 15 is where we'll start this morning. Are you glad to be in church? Amen. Amen. Are you hot? You're not? These lights are really hot. If you go outside and you come in under these lights, it's really not much different. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Nehemiah 4 and verse 15. I was hoping you said it was hot and then I could crank it down a little bit more. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of the servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the harbingers, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built it on the wall, and they that bare burdens, with those that laded, every one 
with one of his hands, wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning until the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. Father, I, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I believe that I truly believe that this is a passage, this is a thought this morning that if we could grasp a hold of seeing life through your lens, the fear of life through your lens, God, it could be refreshing, it could be renewing, it could be, uh, Lord, just freeing. And Lord, I pray that it would be an encouragement to the hearts of those that are here this morning, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. The first thought is simple, it's this, it's return. In this passage in chapter 4 and verse 15, It says just that, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel, not that we returned all of us to the wall, that we returned all of us to the wall. The people were nervous. They had fear and they easily could have said, we are good. They easily could have walked away. I can't go back there. I'm not quite prepared to go back there. I'm not ready to stand and fight. I'm not ready to do that. Look at all of the people that are surrounding us. I am not going back to stand there. Listen, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, before you came here and decided to build this wall, yes, things were crumbled, but nobody was knocking on my door. Things were pretty easy. Things were calm. There was no fighting. There were none of those things. These people out here were just who they were. Now all of a sudden, they're talking about coming to destroy us. I'm good where I'm at. Why don't you leave and we'll remain the walls the way that they are and we're going to just continue. These people had every reason to not return. But I love how God works. Because what did God do? God sent a man, a human, politically correct, a person to come to a place and do what? Challenge and encourage and remind them and to do all of the things that, listen, God is the one. God is great. God is that. And God every time uses somebody like that. Every situation, almost every situation you go throughout scriptures, there's always a man that came and said, hey, just a reminder, don't forget who God is. Why don't we do this? Let's go. It took somebody from the outside to come in and say, hey, look at all the mess. 
Why are we standing here? Let's go fight. Let's go do this. Let's put this together. And we can go all throughout Scripture. What was the children of Israel? They were wandering forever. We got Moses. What did Moses do? Moses led them. They come to a place of water on one side, the army on the other side. Moses smacks the water with the rod, right? It clears up. They walk through. A man that was able to lead the people. And we can go all throughout. Gideon, I love the story of Gideon. No better. I just think it's one of the coolest stories in all of the history of the world. Hey, you know what? We're going to go to fight. We're all going to battle. You know what? I think all you guys should go home. Hey, what do you guys think? Do you want to go to fight? All right, you don't want to go? Go home. Hey, you guys go home. Hey, let's take them all down to the brook. Which one of them laps out of the water? Oh, we're going to fight with those guys. Who does? That's the greatest way. That's like paper, rock, scissors. We're going to go to fight with those who win. We don't do that. No, but that's how God works. He works through a man that's willing to lead, that is willing to be faithful, that trusts in an almighty God and reminds the people who he is. This morning, what is stopping you? What is stopping me? You might say, when I was a child, God called me to this or to that. I don't know how many people in my time in ministry of some sort have said, yeah, well, I remember a time when I was a kid that God called me to go to missions or God had spoke to me that I would be in ministry of this or ministry of that. Here we are 20, 30, 40 years later and they're still not doing that. Why? What are we afraid of? What are we stopping for? What if we just returned back to the place where God had spoke to us and said, here I am, God, I don't know what this means, but I'm returning back here. The children of Israel, the people that were fighting, the people that were were building this wall, returned back, though there was nothing there that they really, they were fearful. What are you fearful of returning to that spot for? I believe with everything in me that God has you and I where we are for a specific time, for a specific reason. There's a reason why this morning at 11.30, you're at Oasis Baptist Church listening to my voice. There's a reason for that. Whether you've never stepped foot in this church before and this is your first time or you come here every week, whatever it is, there's a reason God has you here. There's a reason God has you at the job that you're at. There's a reason why you live where you live. There's a reason why you're in the family that you're in the family of. There's a reason for every single thing. It is not by accident or is not by chance that God placed you where he placed you. And as we look through these things and we go through these different thoughts, what is it that is stopping me? Why am I afraid to do what God has called me to do right where God has me doing it? These people were building the wall. They were steadily working and then that discouragement came. The voice from the outside came and it got louder and it got louder and it got louder to the point that Nehemiah came back in and said, hey, reminder, time out. Let's regather. Let's remember what we're doing. Let's remember why we're doing it. The mentality of this group at the time wasn't the best. They weren't in a positive frame of mind. Today, I'd like to give you a reminder to go back. To return Maybe you would say, I've been saved for a long time. But I've heard the voices from the outside for a while and I'm a bit discouraged. Hey, what if we just returned back to wherever that back is? I said it last week. 
until you came to a place and you heard the voice of God, the Holy Spirit work in you, and you came to a place where you gave your life to Jesus, there was probably nev- not much of a time when, when you really thought of the enemy and what was taking place, that wrestle that was in you. Then all of a sudden you give your heart to Jesus and you're like, everything's going to be perfect. The bills are going to be paid. My house is going to be perfect. We're going to have a white fence and it's all going to be great. And none of that happened. And you're like, God, why? We get discouraged and we stop. Sometimes we have to go back and return to where it all started so that we can be reminded. Maybe it is somebody in this room that would say, I remember when I was 15 and God called me to ministry. And here I sit now that I'm 35, now that I'm 45, now that I'm 55, and I've never acted upon that. Why? Maybe you need to return back where you're 15 and say, God, I'm really fearful because I don't know what this means. But I remember when you said, Aaron, would you go? And I accepted the call to go. And now you've gotten into a career. And so now the fear isn't so much that I'm going to go and serve the Lord. The fear is more, God, if I go and serve the Lord, how am I going to provide for my family all of the things that you've done for me? Maybe it's not anything to do with ministry. Maybe your fear is, I was done wrong as a child You don't understand the childhood that I came into. You don't understand the circumstances of my life. You don't understand those things. Listen, in order for us to move forward, we have to be able to face what was behind us so that we can be all that God has called for us to be. We have to return at some point and face the fear that is in front of us. We have to. You say, but my dad was. Let's get the help that we need. But God says to forgive. God says that His grace is greater. There's a lot that's there. But fear holds us. Fear cripples us. Fear paralyzes us. And I will stand and I will do absolutely nothing until I return and face what I need to face so that I can continue to press on and move forward. I have to do it. I have to do it. Your fear... Your fear is not of God. Psalm 34.4 says this, That when we seek Him, it says He will deliver us from our fear. Today it might seem so simple, but in order for the wall to be complete, in order for those families to save their homes, to save their city, to save their lives, to return, they had to return to the wall. The wall was not going to be done on its own. They had to stop and say, I'm willing to face it. I recognize that God is stronger than anything, and I'm going to return to the wall. They had to. For you and I, the same thing. We have to return to the Word of God. We must return to being the men that we're supposed to be, to being the wives that we're supposed to be. Maybe it's returning to church. Whatever it would be, we must return and face it so that we can continue to press forward. Will you return and face your fear through the lens of God's greatness? Secondly, it says that they worked. And they returned everyone unto their own work. You're like, this is really easy. It is, but there's a reason in our Christian lives, I believe with everything in me, in many churches around this country, that our churches sit paralyzed. Yes, they might be full. 
Yes, there's people that are acting. Yes, there's people that sit in the chairs every week and they may sing a song, they may raise a hand, but so many people in our chair or our seats that are in the churches today are sitting paralyzed because they're fearful of what it would be if God. It's easy to sit in those chairs. But it's not easy to stand up and say, you know what? God, I need you. I want you to build in me and through me something that is greater than me. Building beyond ourselves. The reality of it is, we all like comfort. Is there anybody that doesn't like to be comfortable? I like to be comfortable. Friday night was not comfortable in my home. My air conditioning went out. Oh. I recognized it at about 9, 9.15, that it wasn't feeling quite like it's supposed to feel. So we slept with fans. It wasn't the most comfortable night's rest. I enjoy comfort. We got it fixed the next day on Saturday. A couple hours later, it did the same thing again. I was gone, thank the Lord, but my wife and a couple kids were at home. It's uncomfortable. Nobody in this room likes to be in a place where they're uncomfortable. Do you know where God wants you most? (laughs) Not so comfortable. God wants you to a place where you recognize that you need Him. And oftentimes when I'm comfortable, I don't recognize how much I need Him. And so He reminds us of our need of Him. He reminds us that He is the one. And here we look at this, we need to recognize those things. We don't want to be comfortable. We need to go back and return, but not only do we need to return, we need to get to work. I don't know about you, I'm not building a wall. But there's a lot of things that I face that are difficult that take me outside of where I'm comfortable. Things that may cause me to to turn and run. These people, again, were fearful for their lives. They were fearful for their families. They were concerned as they had uh, what, what that would mean for their children, for their wives. What would it mean for my city? They froze for a minute. They were fearful for a minute. Maybe their, their stomach was twisting and turning. They stood, yet they stood strong. They began to build, and then they heard the discouragement setting in, and they began to run again. They had a fear. But yet in that, we see that what did they do? They returned back and they began to work. I'm assuming again, no one in this room is in that exact situation. Where you're building a wall because you're fearful for your home where you live. However, I guarantee you every person in this room has had a moment, a situation. Where the fear has caused your heart to beat. Where the fear has caused you to sweat. Where your stomach is turning in knots and you're fearful as to what is going to take place. 
It could be a job. It could be a financial situation. It could be a move from one part of the country to another part of the country. It could be an illness that has hit your family. It could be a million different things. But it has caused you to go, I'm just unsure. Maybe it's a situation in your home, a divorce, an abusive situation, whatever it is. But it caused us to do different things. It's caused us to have a headache. It's caused stress in the neck. It's caused us to, to be whatever it is. But we have to, at some point, return to that situation and face the fear so that we can begin to work on it so that God can do something in and through it. What we often do is we run. We must look at the problem through the greatness of God or we will not pass the test that is before us. We can't walk by sight viewing God through the lens of the problem. I don't know the best way to illustrate this, but if I put on my everyday glasses, so to speak, and I don't wear them, but if I put them on and I, I see the world just as I see the world, I see my situation, all of this stuff, and then I see God through all of that. Do we follow? If I put on my glasses on the, on the flip side of my lens... I see my circumstance, and then I see God. What God is saying, what God's word is saying, what God desires, what we should desire, is that we would put on the lens of God, and then we see God, and through God, we see the lens, we see the circumstance that is facing us. I get that it's not easy. I get that. But that's, that's how we view problems. That's how we should view fear is as we put on His glasses, we see the fear through Him. But we have to return. We have to stop and go back, then we have to get to work. The enemy can't continue to win. I don't know what it is, but our Christian lives often are viewed in so many different ways. I'm going to share a personal illustration, and then I'm going to continue to press on. In my life, outside of my Christian, if I were to just my Christian bubble being my church, my, my walk with God, me as a pastor, if you were to take me in most any situation, I've said it, you know I love sports. You put me in a sporting situation and you tell me I can't do something, I will kill you or myself to get there. You can't do this. You're too small. You're this. You're not fast enough. You're not this enough. You aren't this. You can't. You can't. Whatever it would be. I will kill myself proving you wrong. Every time. Every time. Do you know what I'm ashamed to say many times in my Christian life? When some of those same things have come up in my Christian life, I don't view it in the same manner as I view it over here. Why? Because now I begin to say, but God... But God, do you remember all of this? The insecurities begin to come up. The enemy uses the sin that I once did, or he used this, or he used that, and he would say, hey, Aaron, don't forget about this. That means you can't do this. Hey, Aaron, don't forget about this because that means you can't do this. And Aaron, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And I begin to say, but God, can you really use me to do any of that? You put me in a sporting event, I will kill you or myself proving you wrong. But we're challenging our Christian lives and we go, but, but God, I never questioned myself one time. When I was 13 years old, I got off the phone with the guy that told me I was too small to play on a baseball team. Never once did I question myself. I got off the phone and I said there was one thing that I had in mind. I will prove to that idiot every time that they see me, I will destroy them. 
and God is my witness, my parents sit here, every time I played that team, I destroyed them. And every time I played that team, somebody would come and say, I wish we'd have never cut you. Do you know I lived for five years of my life playing baseball for that statement? Call me arrogant, call me what you will, I apologize. But that drove me. In my Christian life, somebody says, here you go. Do you know what I do oftentimes? Well, I don't think I can because I have this insecurity of this thing and I have this insecurity of this thing and I have this insecurity of that thing and I stop. I stop. Why do we do that in our Christian lives? Because of fear. Because of insecurities. Because of the things that we allow the enemy to tell us that we believe Instead of looking through it the lens of God, we look through it in our lens and we say, I just can't do that. It's a matter of you and I going back and returning, facing it, and getting to work. Let me encourage you today. I don't know what you're facing, but would you return and get to work at it? They returned. They grabbed their trowels. They then added a spear. They added bows. They added a shield. And they began to work to protect. And they began to build. And they began to protect. And they began to build. And they began to protect. And they were doing all of these things. Why? Because they simply allowed the, God to move through them, for one. But they allowed somebody to encourage them for them to be reminded of who God was because they then saw it through the lens of God, not through their own lens. And they didn't just return to the wall. Now they returned to the wall and they said, you know what, we can do it. Let's go and let's fight. We can build this wall. And lastly, this morning it says, uh, building together. They would build together. They returned. They started back to work, and they did it together. Nehemiah had split them up and spread them out. If we were to go through this passage of Scripture, and I'm not going dissecting it verse by verse throughout this, but if you go back to it, the builders, everyone had a sword and girded his side. In 19 it says, And I said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall. And so you saw there was a group of people over here, and maybe 100, uh, 300, 400, 500 feet or a mile apart, there was another group, and then and they'd go farther and there was another group and they were farther apart and it says what that when the trumpet would be sounded and when somebody would hear that we all need to come together and we need to allow God to fight they did it together otherwise there would be a small group of people over here and they would be destroyed moment by moment and then they would come over to this group and they would destroy them moment by moment but no when we do it together we can do something better there's no doubt I've said it so many times, we as a church must be united. My prayer, the vision, the goal, the, the desire of our church is that we would be passionate followers of Christ. That we would go outside of these walls and seek to, to, to honor the Lord, but that we would go outside of these walls and love on our community. Listen, the only way that we can make an impact inside of this community here in Henderson, Nevada, is that we together Go together. That we fight it together. Maybe this doesn't need to be a place that we just come and sit on a Sunday morning. But this is a place that we come together. And it's our war room, so to speak. 
And we're encouraged and we're challenged so that when we walk out these doors, we go outside of these doors and we serve and we reach and we love on people and we come back and every day we're, we're reading God's Word and we're studying God's Word and we're doing what we're called to do. And every Sunday we're coming back together and we're recharging and we're ready break in the middle. I don't know what we do, but we recharge it and we go back out and we're ready to go again and we come back. Why? Because together we can do something. I'll let you know we understand God is the one that builds a church. God is going to bring the numbers. God is going to do all those things. But I'll, I'll just tell you, I cannot fill every chair in this, this, this auditorium. I can't. But we can. Why? Because there's some people, there's some people that I could reach, but there's some people that Murray's going to reach. There's some people that Tressa and Jerry's going to reach. There's some people that your family is going to reach that I'll never know. Listen, most of the people that come here, I've never met before. But you have. You invited them. You saw them. Why? As we do it together, do we want to build something beyond ourselves at Oasis Baptist Church? I do. I have a desire that one day when I step away from whatever God has for me, whenever that time is, that I can look back and I can say, wow, this is greater than anything ever I could ever have thought of. Not because of what I did, but because of, look, what God did in us. These guys never had dreamt of building a wall. They didn't dream of building a wall. We must be unified in doing it. We must do it together. When we face the fear... When we return back to it and we face it, and when we face it and we begin to get to work, and we begin to get to work together, I'm not saying that it's going to be cake, but it becomes a little bit easier. Let me put it in this regard as we go into a time of closing this morning. I can look around this room. I, I know many of the circumstances that face people in this room. I look at Robert and was at the hospital yesterday with he and Pat. No, if you were to talk to them, they don't come across as fearful. They trust God. I believe that they've been faithful. On, they've, just, they've been a faithful group of people. But you know what is comforting? It's comforting for me as a pastor to walk in and for both of them to have a huge smile on their face and to say, Pastor, there's been so many people from church that came and visited us today. It's so encouraging. Do you know Why? Because they don't have to face the fears. Yes, they have God. But a part, of the, a part of facing our fears that God has put in place is us. So when they look through that lens of God and they see the circumstance past God, they look and they begin to see, yes, there's all the circumstance, but they look over here and they see a family of, of, of the believers that are praying for them. And they look over here and they see a family of believers praying. And they look over here and they see a family of believers praying. And everywhere that they look, they still have the circumstance. But as they look around, they say, you know what? I know that God has this, but now I, everywhere I turn, I'm looking and my family... My church family has my back. 
My church family is praying for me. My church family is uplifting me. What did Moses do? When Moses, they were fighting and he had two people that were holding his arms up. And when his arms began to fall down, what happened? They began to die and they began to lose. And every time those arms were lifted up, they were strengthened again. Why? It's the same thing. Listen, Robert and them, they need us to lift their arms up this week. The Burns need us to lift their arms up this week. Mary needs us to lift their arms up this week. All of us, and we look around, there's so many people in this situation. Listen, there's people in this room that just want to be reunited with their children and they need us to lift their arms up that we would be a family together building what God has called for us to do there's a reason that God called you to Oasis Baptist Church and it's not that you could sit and listen to me scream and yell but that you could be strengthened and encouraged and that we together can love on each other and that we can go do something outside of these walls this morning as we wrap up I want to ask you this One, the greatest question that you can answer is who is God to you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there come a time where you recognize the need in your own life to give God your life and say, God, here I am. I recognize that I have sinned. I recognize that I have failed you. And I need you, a Savior, to come and fill me. Maybe this morning you would say, that is me. But maybe this morning you would say this. Church family, I need my church to just pray around me and be my strength today. Maybe this whole thing this morning, the facing of fears for you, it's just understanding that I have people that are going through it with me. I think of those that I know off the top of my head that are facing illnesses. I think of those that I know that have faced rough rough times financially. I think of those that I know that are battling things within their families that just want their children in their homes. I think of some of those circumstances that are sitting in this room this morning. And I think, what if we as a body just surrounded them? What if we surrounded them? Man, how powerful it is to know that your arms are being lifted up. And that you are being covered by those that love you in your church body, in your church family. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.